podcast is out. The age of independence is here, where the next generation of high-performing agencies transform the agency landscape. I'm a mom, a businesswoman, and mega startup coach. This podcast is all about you, the agency owner, stepping into the new wave of opportunity, knocking out the competition in the modern market. This is the Age of Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. Welcome to the show. Hi, agents, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar, and thanks for tuning in to the Age of Independence, where we're cracking the code to high volume new business growth in your business. And over the past couple of weeks, we have had so many cool insights from CEOs of InsureTechs who are solving problems in the commercial space, in the home insurance space. And we heard from Patty Lares, a 21-year independent agent who started as a scratch agent. And we got to fast forward to see what life is like for her team today. So um, thanks for tuning into those episodes. If you missed any of them, make sure that after uh, today's talk that you're able to scroll back and add some of those to your playlist so that you don't miss any of the great content coming from our guests. And thank you so much for the feedback that you've been sending in. I love getting the DMs and the questions so that we can bring content to you that is um, what's top of mind for you and your agency. And today we have a really special guest, and I'm excited to bring a conversation to you that stems from outside of the insurance industry, but it has so much to do with what we're doing on a daily basis. And today we're going to hear from a professional speaker and behavioral finance researcher who uses brain science to help us make smarter decisions. And so um, tune in, turn that volume up. You're not going to want to miss a beat. I know that um, while you're driving on your way to work today or on your way home, you probably have a lot of decisions on your plate. You are probably in the process of buying something, selling something, making a marketing decision or a hiring decision. So today we're going to hear all about how we can um, open up our eyes to things that might be standing in our way and causing us to make poor decisions when it comes to our money and how we can um, be better entrepreneurs. So Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. We're going to be climbing inside people's brains and looking at the weird and freaky way that we make decisions about money. And for all of us in the insurance industry, this is so incredibly important because what we're doing is we're asking people to lay down a tremendous amount of money and how they do that. A lot of times we think that's incredibly rational and they're just sort of saying, well, I've got choice A or choice B. Well, let me tell you, it is all messed up in that crazy brain of yours. And I'm going to be talking about specific ways that people make emotions, uh, make make decisions emotionally and what agents need to know when they're talking to clients about ways to purchase things that they're going to do, how fear plays a big role in the insurance business. So Thank you so much, Graham. And agents, this is Graham Newell, and he has been helping financial professionals for several years to learn how to make better decisions. And Graham, I'm really looking forward to you digging into that crazy brain of ours and telling us a little bit more about what's going on, because I think that we like to tell ourselves that we're rational creatures and that we make great decisions. But if there's any areas where we can do better, I know we want to hear all about it. So, um, Tell us a little bit about 
you and how you got into brain science research. Well, I started in the marketing world and what I did, I used to work for um, ad agencies, marketing organizations, and I did a tremendous amount of work in insurance and financial services. And we found that we would do these studies and we would ask people like, you know, what would you like, what are you looking for in a policy? And people would tell us all these things. And then we'd go back and look at their behavior and we would see that it was just completely different. You know, what they were telling us and what they were really doing were very different. So I got into the world of neuroscience and the world of brain science. So what we would do is we would take people, we would put brain scanners on their head, and then we would ask them questions about money and finance and insurance. And then we could watch their brain light up while they did these. So what was great is we got this amazing insight into how people actually make money decisions. And what we found was what people say they want and what people actually want was incredibly different. So one of the things that I learned is that if you want to know how how somebody feels about something, one of the worst things you can do is ask them because we have no idea how we feel about things. It's just not how we make decisions consciously. So what I'm hearing is that your research will help us understand our own brains a little bit better, but also how our clients are purchasing insurance, because I can't tell you how many times I've been on the phone with a client who said that they wanted one thing and then chose entirely different coverages at the end of the conversation. So I know we'd love to, um, Learn a little oh bit my more. goodness, we're, we're going to have such, it's, it's so incredibly important for those of us who are in insurance now. Imagine somebody walks up to you and kind of says, okay, Caitlin, I'd like you to consider that your whole family is about to be wiped out because you've died and you need some life insurance. We could just watch people's brains just go at the very moment that we even mentioned that. And what happens is we go into this fight or flight mode all of a sudden and our decisions just get they take a left turn. So what we have spent a lot of time doing is uh, coaching people, helping them to understand the specific ways that they need to broach these tremendously threatening situations so that they make good rational decisions that really benefit in the long term. So tell us a little bit more, Graham, about how that decision-making process is actually working inside of our brains. Because I'm, I'm curious whether it's different when we're in fight or flight mode than when we're in our comfortable, natural surroundings and, and not feeling quite as panicked. That's not, okay, let me take you back. I mean, I wanna take you way back. I'm gonna take you back to those caveman times because what you gotta realize is that our decision-making process was honed during the, out on the African savanna by evolution. Millions of years of humanoid ev evolution have really decided what we are today. And for 98% of, of that time, it's been all about basic survival. Things like not starving to death and, and you know not having the weather take you out. And maybe if you're lucky, finding a good looking cave lady to pass along your DNA to the next generation. Fancy skills like agriculture and living in houses, those are just the last 10,000 years. So the problem is, is that our brain is badly out of date and we're still making decisions, survival decisions, like we're out on the African Savannah, despite the fact that we have very modern and very different problems now. So we have an outdated 
computer processor in our brain. And that's why we tend to make such really bad decisions when we face these kind of modern problems. So in the world of finance and investing, imagine if you took a caveman and threw him into Wall Street all of a sudden. He'd freak out. He would have no idea what he's looking at. Well, our brains, despite the fact we dress well and we have all the latest devices, we're still walking around with that caveman brain. And so it's incredibly important to understand that we're going to make decisions instinctually. We think we're making them rationally, but the brain science bears us out. Nothing could be further from the truth. Does our brain sometimes tell us that we're behaving rationally when it, in fact we're actually behaving instinctually? Absolutely. All the time we look at those decisions and, and we go, yeah, you know, I'm going to take choice A, choice B, choice C, and I'm just going to make this incredibly rational decision. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. What the brain science shows us is that about 85% of our decision-making process is completely subconscious. It feels wow. like we're making a rational decision. So the way that we make a decision is like this. We feel something, and then that's in our subconscious brain that has, we don't even know it's there. We feel that. And then what happens is our rational, conscious brain affirms what we already believe. And it feels like we're making this incredibly rational de decision, but nothing could be further from the truth. What we're doing is we're operating on instinct most of the time. And what's important to realize for all of us, as whether we're talking to clients or making decisions in our own life, it is so critically important that we give that instinctual part a do. You've probably had this experience with friends that you've seen. You know, a friend will tell you, yeah, I'm going to make this decision based on this rational thing. And you can see that they're making a completely emotional decision and they have no idea that they're doing it. Well, we all do this all the time. It's so much easier, I think, to see it from the outside looking in. And, you know, we can see it with our staff. They might be making poor life decisions, poor money decisions, and or they may just not be seeing the opportunity in the career position. And from the outside looking in, it's so clear to us. Um, but when it's ourselves, it, it can be really muddy and become a really cloudy area. It actually sounds really challenging, Graham. It sounds um, like an uphill battle. So um, what kind of opportunity is there for us to be able to break out of that mold and start thinking a little bit differently? Well, I think, you know, for folks, you know, like us who are in the insurance business, what we're talking about are the most important decisions of a person's life. And that that includes the welfare of their family, their money, their, their, their future. And so what you got to realize is that the moment you even bring these topics up, like I mentioned earlier, we go into fight or flight mode. So this is tremendously threatening to people. It was interesting. Well, you know, I would throw people inside of a brain scanner and then basically I would say, okay, we're going to talk a little bit about your finances. And I watched their brain go boom and it would just light up and they'd be like, ah, even bringing up the word made them freak out. Now, and they didn't even realize that this was happening to them. So what we've got to make sure that we do is if we have the, these conversations, we've got to make them safe because that is what insurance is really all about is maintaining safety. So one of the studies that was done on the insurance industry is we would ask, we would take the same question that we would have and we, we would say, we'd like you to help uh, prevent your, you know, we, we'd like to, um, um, we'd like to talk to you about some insurance products that in the case you ever die, that your family would be okay. And what we found is people just ran away when we said that. But if we took that same sentence and we said, we'd like to talk about making sure that your family is safe for the rest of their lives, 
Same thing, but we just said it in a different way. So where it was about safety instead of disaster, what happened was they were still open to doing it. So what is incredibly important is that you understand that what we're talking about is some of the most frightening stuff in the world. And you've got to constantly create a conversation with your clients where you make it safe, speaking in low tones, talking about safety and insurance and how good things will be in the future. The more we talk about disaster and the more that we talk about bad things that could happen, the less open they are to it. And it's not that they won't purchase it, but what they're going to do is they're going to constantly try to run away emotionally. You know, when our conscious brain takes on these topics, we're more than willing to do it. But our subconscious brain, when it runs away, what it does is it just checks out. It's not that we're actually going to leave. It's just we're going to kind of start thinking about our shopping list or we're going to, we're going to suddenly have a distraction and kind of go, you know, I need to call my daughter. And, and what happens is we just check out emotionally. And once they're checked out, you're not going to have an opportunity to close a sale because they're not even there anymore. So you've got to constantly watch the threat level. You've got to constantly use language that reinforces safety, that reinforces things are going to be great. They're going to be okay. And that's something that a lot of agents don't do. They just plow in and start showing forms and talk about policies and plans. You got to spend most of your time hearing these people out and reassuring that they'll be safe. So there's things we can say that could send a client into fight or flight mode where it makes it really hard for them to make an informed decision and a rational decision about the future. Is this why when I have something on my mind that's really bothering me, if I just sleep on it before I take action that in the morning when I wake up, I feel a little bit differently about it? That's exactly it. Because what's going on is that you've got a big decision. Your brain gets overwhelmed. Your your brain gets scared. And what it does is it simply checks out. When we feel those emotions, those things that are that are you know really causing us distress, and for so many of these decisions, it's so incredibly distressful. We can basically take our emotions and we can just sort of detox. So what happens is you get scared and your brain floods your body with adrenaline and suddenly you're like, ah! Now, Now, in fight or flight mode, let's think back to those caveman times. So that cheetah is sitting there on on the the, the savannah. What did Mother Nature want us to do? Well, what they wanted us to do was to pay attention to that cheetah and not go, you know, I think I'm going to contemplate what I'm going to have for dinner right now. So what your brain does is it floods you with chemicals that instantly alerts you. And suddenly you're like, bam, everything that is here right now is right in my horizon. Anything that's in the future, your brain says, get rid of that. Just leave it out right now because you're in, you know, you're you're going for survival right now. So what happens is you've got to let those chemicals get out of your bloodstream. And then the next morning you wake up and you kind of go, what was I thinking yesterday? How could I even have considered what what I did? You're always going to make that rational choice much better the day after. So for these big decisions, what we want to encourage both ourselves and our clients to do is to think on them for 24 hours. Talk to them about the plan, build that plan, and then say, I want you to check back in in a day. Because what's going to happen is they're going to have an opportunity to have those those chemicals get out of their bloodstream. And what I think you got to realize for all of us in the insurance industry is that the moment you even bring these things up, adrenaline happens. Just mention the word death or or disaster or car wrecks or whatever, and 
boom, it's <laughs> over for the day. <laughs> You've got to make sure that you give people time and energy to really contemplate these decisions because that's when the decisions stick. So agents, what I'm hearing is let's, let's use that draft tool in our email inbox a little bit more frequently and <laughs> type out that email, but just let it sit in the drafts until tomorrow morning and see how you feel about it then. And Graham, I wonder from a um, business owner perspective, how this fear effect might impact our salespeople when we're discussing a sales goal to them or a new project that seems really daunting and overwhelming. Um, what do we need to be aware of when we are um, announcing something that it, to the team that is a metric they're gonna be held accountable to or a big project knowing that that might send them into fight or flight for at least a good 24 hours, it sounds like. Yeah, and those incredibly threatening people that we call bosses, you know, <laughs> even show up next to our desk and we're like, uh-oh, what's going on here? So what we've got to make sure we're, we're doing is we're using behavioral science techniques in order to motivate people. And that means using the carrot instead of the stick. So it's not, if you don't get your quota, there's going to be hell to pay. So you better get that going. <laughs> no question. That'll motivate us to do it. That catches our attention, but if we want to bring about long-term change, what we've got to do is we've got to use the carrot. So the magic formula looks like this. So start with fear, okay? And when you start with fear, what you do is you've got my attention, just like that cheetah was on the African savanna. Boom, suddenly I have got that incredible attention. But then we want to quickly turn to everything's going to be great. So we start out with, you know, John, I want to make sure that you make your quota this month because, you know, that's an important thing for, for us to do. And let me tell you a little bit about what's going to happen if, if you do. And then basically he'll kind of go, oh, you're going to get that big bonus and you're going to be, you know, the team is going to love you for what you do. So I'm real confident that this is going to happen. And what can I do to support you in getting this incredible outcome if you make your quota this month? So you see that catches attention, but you spend most of your time saying, let me tell you how great it's going to be. And it's the same thing when we're selling insurance products. Wow, you got to make sure that if there's a big hailstorm that your, you know, that your property's covered. Boy, and what's going to be so great is now you can rest easy at night knowing that no matter what comes down the line, you're going to sleep soundly. Everything's going to be found. Your house is going to be taken care of. And that's where we want to spend most of our time. Absolutely. So creating that peace of mind and that sense of security and using the, um, the alert as a way to like get attention, but it's a drop in the bucket compared to it. You're going to immediately pivot to the, the positive things to look forward in the future so that they can take a deep breath and think through it. Exactly. Feeding, you know, feeding your, your client back lines that, that helps to re reassure. So what is so important is that we establish this great relationship so that our clients like us, they show up, they feel good about themselves when they have an interaction with us. So imagine if, you know, Caitlin, every time, you know, you show up and are, are talking to a client, they're kind of going like, yeah, let's talk about your death. Let, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about how your house is going to be wiped out. And you're going to have car wrecks. <sighs> so, you know, insurance is just a naturally, you know, anxiety producing um product. So what we've got to make sure that, that we're doing is reinforcing those positive things in every conversation that we have. Not only are clients 
not going to buy from us, they're not going to like us <laughs> if, <laughs> if we show up every time and, and do anxiety in them. So that's why we've got to make sure that when we have those conversations with our clients that we're continually reinforcing the good things that are going to happen. So not only is it, you know, you're going to be safe, but we want to reinforce the fact that, hey, you're taking great care of your family and you're mm. a wonderful father. And my goodness, you are making sure that you're building a legacy for your children that, that's going to last for forever. Mm -hmm. And they get a chance to feel a little proud. They get a chance to feel good. What happens? Those, those brain chemicals that are in the fear, the fight or flight mode, tend to leave us, we tend to calm down, we get a little dopamine going. And what happens? We like you. Why? Because good things happen when I'm around you. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. That's such great advice. And it's so true in the insurance world that clients really are counting on us to create that peace of mind. So Graham, I'm curious though what happens when we don't follow that advice and we make poor money decisions. So what, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen? Oh, I can't tell you how amazing it's been to watch people invest in the stock market or things like this. You know, it is an amazing opportunity to see the very worst of human behavior. So mm -hmm. I think what a lot of people don't realize is when they invest, you know, in the market or, or do things like that, exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us feel as though like when we buy a stock that we're betting on how a company will perform in the future, except that's not really true. Now, sure, a company's profit and loss, it's going to have a big influence on a stock price. But what moves markets can't really be found on a balance sheet. What moves markets is investor confidence. Well, except it's not really even that simple. You're not actually betting on how other investors feel about how a company will perform in the future. For all of us, we're probably busy people, and we don't have time to interview company leaders or talk about you know, major investments or about how other investors feel about how that company is going to do in the future. So you probably rely on the advice of an analyst. Okay, so follow me now on this. What you're betting on when you pick a stock is how an analyst feels about how other investors feel about how a company will do in the future. 
Except wow. it's not even really that simple. You're probably, you don't pony up the big bucks for the detailed report of what an analyst creates. So you need to rely on the financial news services to get you that information. So what you're betting on is how a journalist feels about how an analyst feels, about how an investor feels, about how a company will do in the future. And odds are most of this information is probably no longer timely and the market has moved on. Because you see, all of these people in this long chain of deciders don't have objective opinions. They're human beings. And unfortunately, each of them are burdened with a boatload of moods and they skew wildly in their perceptions. So what you gotta realize is, if you think you're going to successfully predict or time the market, unless you got this amazing computer behind you, which most of the Wall Street analysts do that can make decisions in milliseconds, what chance do I have with my flawed human brain of beating those guys? Almost none. So what you got to do is play the long game. Whenever we can set our investment strategy to long-term strategies that use things like index funds and regular saving every month, that's what makes money. Why? Because the Dow goes up almost every year. You know, Look at any 10-year time span on the Dow for the entire history of it. There's never been a time that it hasn't made money. Even during the Depression, it did that. It goes down, but long-term, it goes up. And so it's incredibly important to realize that we can relax. We can simply put our money in a little bit every single month, and things are going to work well. So if we're going to invest our money, Graham, how can we make sure we're doing it really well? The big thing to realize is that the, the biggest thing that's going to torpedo your investment strategy is you and our very instinctual brain. What happens? The market suddenly goes up. And let's think back to the savanna and, and, and what <laughs> happened during those times. Well, back on the African savanna, we would have a kill that we would do with, with a deer. And what did evolution tell us to do? Well, time to gorge yourself. There's lots of food and I need to get that in me. Same thing happens when the stock market goes up. At the very point, the market is as high as it can be. We're going, I need to buy more, which is the worst time to buy. You know, you want to buy <laughs> right. on the other, other side. And then what happens? The stock market falls. And then what do we do? Ah, fear, run away. You know, the worst thing to do. Now's the time when the entire market's on sale. We want to be <laughs> buying now. So evolution has hardwired us to do the exact wrong thing is what it's done. And the more you tempt yourself with checking your balance every month and looking at those stock reports, the more likely you are to make an impetuous decision. Mm -hmm. So if we want to do this well, the big thing to do, set up a strategy, a long-term plan, and then leave it alone. <laughs> do not touch it. Check your balance once a quarter. Now, what I recommend is is get yourself a great financial planner, someone who's a fiduciary who can help you do that. Now, for a lot of us, we have a pretty good knowledge of finance. But what I find is even for seasoned investors, even folks like you know in your audience, they still have a tendency to play this game diametrically opposed to what's going to make them money. It's mm -hmm. so important that we realize that the person who is most likely to torpedo our investment strategy is us. Wow. How, how good is our brain at predicting future outcomes? It's really terrible. Is it? <laughs> Unfortunately, what our brain has a tendency to do is to think that how it is now 
is how it has always been in the past and how it always will be in, in the mm. future. This worked really well during evolutionary times, bringing us to the present moment when there was danger or opportunity and getting rid of all that other stuff was something that really worked well in keeping us alive. Nothing has changed since the, those caveman times. So we have a tendency to overestimate our resolve to stick to our plans in the future. We have a tendency to think that how we are now and the things that we believe and the things that we value will be the same in, in the future. So think about your, your own life and think about all the changes you've made in the last you know, 10 years. The different person you, you were 10 years ago and how, how incredibly different your values and priorities are. Well, if I were to ask you now to predict what the next 10 years were, are like, most everybody kind of goes, well, it'll be pretty much like it is now. And it'll be nothing like that. Wow. So we have a real inability to predict our own future. It's why we've got to make sure that we set those plans and then we check in on them because we're going to have different life experiences and we're going to change our plans radically. We want to build a plan that's going to have long-term opportunity for us. And that's about incrementally each day, checking in, doing a little saving, planning for our, our future, but realizing that it's going to wildly change. And we'll deal with it when we're a different person mm -hmm. because we're a different person in the future than we are right now. That's so interesting. And I've found that I think for me personally, the most difficult decisions are the ones that I can't help feeling really emotional about. So which school to send the children to would be a huge one. Or I know it's, we're coming up on high school graduation season parents. And uh, I can't imagine the pressure that your teenagers are going through trying to decide this university or that university. It probably feels like such a monumental decision, especially when there's two good options. So what can we do when there's two good, solid options, but it, it's really emotional and it's like, ah, which one do I go with? Well, what you got to realize is that you're probably not going to be at your optimal decision-making prowess right now. You got to realize that over the course of the last, you know, year, well, we've been through under, under the pandemic, it's just mm -hmm. been an amazingly terrible time for all of us. Mm -hmm. And we would tend to kind of go, no, it's fine. I got this handled. I'm, I'm going to make it work. But you got to realize that you're a little brain damaged now, all of us, despite the fact that we think we're okay. And so the decisions that we make now need to be ones that we reconsider and contemplate once we're out of COVID, because we're not going to be at our decision-making best right now, because mm -hmm. we're being constantly triggered. So what you've mm -hmm. got to do is with important decisions like where should I send my, my child to school? You've got to realize you're going to be making these in fight or flight mode. And so you've got to get other outside opinions mm. in. So look to family, look to friends, get lots of opinions on, on what you should do and encourage them to disagree with you right now. A lot of times we seek opinions from others and all we're looking for is an affirmation of what mm. we already want to do. But go into it and say, I've got this decision or this choice, and what would you do? By bringing those other outsiders in, they're probably going to make really good decisions that are going to help us to really get rid of all that adrenaline and make something that's going to be much more long-term satisfactory mm -hmm. for all of us. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful for the insurance mastermind groups that I'm in, the Facebook groups, our organization at Quantum, where we can ask opinions from other agents that are in the industry and say, hey, does this marketing campaign make sense 
does this renewal campaign make sense? Am I, um, read this job ad, does it, would you apply to this job? And so um, I just think it's so neat agents that we have so many strong peers around us that are willing to offer that, that fresh set of perspective. And I guarantee you that if you reach out to another peer in the insurance industry this week to get a fresh set of eyes on some of the decisions that they're facing, that they would be more than happy to help. And and I certainly am as well if you're facing some of those big decisions in your agency right now. Oh, so, I love that. You know, with masterminds, I, I've, I'm in like four or five of them. And what I love about these people is that they will call me out. You know, we <laughs> all need people, particularly professionally, and who are going to say, that's a really terrible idea and, and you really shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So these are the great people that we want to make sure that we cultivate in our lives. Those who have the courage and the tenacity to say, nope. That's not good. I don't need your approval. What I'm here to do is is to absolutely help you. And so many times when we approach somebody, we approach them with the idea of we just want them to affirm what we already believe and want to do. So you've got to make sure that you go in. One of the questions that I like to ask is I'm thinking of, of doing this or this and either option is a good one for me. Which one do you think is best? And that kind of puts them off the hook of having to affirm what you already believe. Let them know, I want an honest opinion. And then they feel a little bit more free and open to to say what they really think and you get that honest feedback. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that to make better financial decisions, there's some things we have to do that probably feel a little uncomfortable. You mentioned waiting. So not sending the email right now, sleeping on it for 24 hours asking our peers to challenge our opinion instead of seeking the affirmative and um, playing a long-term game. Those things are really challenging and really hard, but I think that knowing the data behind it and understanding the why can be that extra incentive and that little extra motivation that we need to intentionally make a decision to pursue those options, even though they are going to feel a little bit out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And we get so transfixed with our own abilities and we believe that we are fantastic at this stuff. We're quite literally going through our day being different people, riding up on adrenaline, going down, getting more brain chemicals that happen. And we regularly will make really terrible decisions depending on what the circumstances are around us. The more that we can make those decisions incrementally, the better decisions they will be. So after I've made a decision, Graham, how can I reflect on it and determine later whether or not it was the right decision? Is my brain going to work against me and like try to justify it and tell me all the reasons that it was the right decision? And um, how can I know later on at some point in the time whether or not I made the right choice? Absolutely. That's called confirmation bias. You know, it's kind of like I made that decision and it must be great. So I'm only going to look for the stuff, you know, that, that's really great. Have you had that friend who had like a bad boyfriend and kind of like, okay, he does really belittle me a lot, but he has a great but, car, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and we'll find the, the thing that, that affirms what we've already done. So again, that's about the outside opinion. That's about having those group of people in your life that will give you that reality check check, friends, family, and then doing that on yourself as well. What I like to do is to sit down and write it out. Here are the benefits, here are the minuses, Mm -hmm. and then you you very quickly can see like, wow, there's a long list of minuses here. Maybe I need to look at this very differently. But you've got to approach all these decision-making processes with with a lot of compassion, with an understanding that I'm going to really think at this 
because of the fact of how my brain is outdated. So I'm going to give myself a break. I'm going to build in times when I review, when I make sure that those decisions are right, continuing to check in on them over and over and over again. How many times have we done with, with clients is that, you know, we haven't talked mm -hmm. to them in a while and then we check back in again. And what we find is they've had a tremendous life change or something has mm -hmm. completely changed. And we find that our products are out of date with what they need right now. Well, the same thing happens with us as well. I, I found that the older I get, Graham, that the more I see gray areas in some decisions. I see, oh, well, I could go this way and then A, B, or C might happen, or I could go this way and A, B, or C might happen. And sometimes neither choice seems like a glaringly bad choice. Um, it could be, hey, we have, I have this employee and they're, it, they're, they're really missing in these areas, but they're so good in these other areas. And I feel like a lot of these decision-making opportunities are, um, they're not black and white. It's not always clear, um, oh, don't go with that marketing campaign or, oh, don't hire that person because they probably have a lot of great qualities. And so how can we become better and better at weighing what's important to us and, and bringing our, our priorities into the decision-making process so we can become better at this over time. It really starts with putting those priorities down and making sure that we have them clearly posted and we understand what those are. What is your number one reason for making that decision? Is it about family? Is it about a growing business? Have you quantified which is most important what the tactics need to be in order for me to excel at those. And then finding that quiet time, finding that opportunity to really kind of settle in and see if those feel right. What you got to remember is that most of your decision-making process will be done instinctually. And if we do something that would probably be good for us, but our instinctual brain hates, we'll probably fail. We probably will. So the opportunity is to take something that we already like, that we already do, that we already believe in, and to accentuate that because it's going to be natural. It's going to be something that we're just going to be really excited to do. So those things that you have to make yourself do because they're good for you, those are things that you want to see if you can do some behavior change on. So, for example, we all really, you know, working out can be really tough for all, all of us. Well, what we've got to do is if we're going to do something negative, we got to give ourselves a reward. So for me, I exercise a fair bit. And the way that I do it is I'm a big reader and I love audiobooks. So what I do is I keep my favorite audiobook, you know, in reserve. And I only get to listen to that when I'm working out. And suddenly it becomes like, oh, I don't have to work out. I get to listen to my book. Mm -hmm. And we need to build these kind of behavioral changes into everything that we do. That's great advice. And I, I have the same problem with working out. Something's got to be um, greater than the demotivation to get up when it's 5 a.m. and cold and dark outside and maybe a little drizzly. So. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I think one other thing that, that you've got to really realize is there's something uh, called temporal discounting. And what that is, is we, we really look at things that we save for things that we do in our, our future. And it's almost like wasted money, you know, like for saving for retirement, I'm sending this guy called future Graham a check every month. And I got to tell you, I don't know this guy. I, I don't really know much about him. All I know is he's taking money out of my account every month and I really don't like him. And so what ends up happening is we get no reward 
in, in the present. And this is what your clients are doing too. Okay. They're sending money off every month for the policy. Nothing oh gosh, happens. Yeah. It doesn't seem as though, you know, I'm really doing anything. So as an agent, what we've got to continually do is reinforce and give people some benefit now, because mm -hmm. that's what makes a really great feeling in, in us. So that's about what we talked about earlier, reinforcing that idea of you're a good dad and you're taking care of your, your kids. Mm -hmm. You're a responsible parent and you're making sure that your child's education is going to be there. Good for you. So reinforcing that in ourselves and reinforcing it in our clients as, as well. We've got to make sure there's a benefit for saving now. And your clients have got to really get that. That could be emails that were sent out to your, your clients talking a little bit about, wow, you did a really great job. You've, you've kept this policy going for a while. Nice work. That gives us that benefit of like, yeah, I'm a good saver. I feel pretty good. It can't just be all future stuff because we'll have a tendency to fall off the wagon if we're just saving for somebody in the future we don't even know. I think that's so important to think of ways where we can bring gratification of our clients in the present because we are an in insurance and they didn't just show up at the cash register and purchase something cool that they get to take home and that new pair of jeans or new, new pair of tennis shoes that they get to enjoy right away. And one of the things that we do at Quantum through our Serving with Purpose course is when a client calls in for a routine request, maybe they need an ID card or to add a new vehicle to their policy. Once we've met that need and confirmed that that need was met, we do a quick pivot to what we call a coverage checkup. And it's just a quick, it's not a 30 minute long, you know, ordeal, but hey, Graham, while I have your policy pulled up, um, let's just take a moment to make sure everything's up to date. Now, first off, I, I want to point out you're with a really great carrier, Graham, um, such and such carrier, they're, they're A-rated and your agent did a really good job placing you with them. How's that been going for you so far. And hey, I noticed that you do have coverage for a rental car on the Toyota, so that's fantastic. Um, but I do want to make sure that you have enough coverage just to protect you from lawsuits to make sure your assets are covered. Let's take a minute and talk about that. And it, it's just a quick coverage checkup because otherwise, if we're only reaching out to them at renewal, then they only get to hear from us when it's a price-focused conversation about like, oh, did my rate go up or did my rate go down? And it gives us a, just an extra opportunity to build that relationship, have a positive interaction when it's not renewal time where their brain is just focused on, well, what's the price at my renewal? And so that's something that's worked really well for us. That's wonderful. And, you know, what's great is, is, is that you're not just kind of, you know, when the phone rings, you kind of go, oh my goodness, it's my insurance ah. agent. Something horrible's happened. You know, well, you no should, one ever should... calls anyone on the phone anymore, unless it is yeah. your insurance agent. Or yeah, yeah exactly. And we can all do the, these little touches. And I think that's what's so amazing that's available with technology now is a lot of outbound marketing that, that can be done that talks about the, these kinds of things. It doesn't have to be a, a call or a, a message or whatever, but just a little touch with your client, reinforcing the great work that they're doing, how they're keeping their, their family safe, new information about how to make this even better. But we've got to be careful if we show up every time and we say there's not enough mm -hmm. because that that is criticizing them is what it is. Mm -hmm. We've got to make sure and say, we want you to help help you be even more abundant. And that's mm -hmm. the message we want to do. So those continual touches where whenever somebody opens that email from you, they kind of go, I'm going to learn something or I'm going to find out something neat that uh, get reinforced with something that I'm doing that, that's really great. That's what builds the relationship. And that's what builds the trust. I love that. So Graham, I have a question for you. Truth or myth? Go with your gut. Let me tell you, 
what exactly is your gut? So let's let's take a, a look at that. So when you go with your gut, what that is, is that's your caveman brain is what it is. That That's your instinct that's going on. Remember that 85% that's optimized for survival out on the African savanna? Mm-hmm. So the way I like to think of it as what your gut is, is it's really kind of a two-year-old, you know, and, and they, <laughs> they are amazingly emotional and they, something happens and they just go, wow, or they're incredibly happy. And so it's this incredibly bipolar thing that, that happens. So my, my real feeling is, is that you should try not to go with your gut because that is your instinctual brain. And it's going to make choices that are optimized for a guy that died about 50,000 years ago. You want to make sure that you rely on the data. No question. We got to look at our gut. We feel that emotion. We go with our gut and we pause and we kind of go, okay, what is going on here? What am I feeling? Why does that feel good or bad to me? And we check in with that. So it's that little pause. That's what I recommend you do. Acknowledge your gut, see what's there, see if you can find the the motivation. I think the people who make the best investment decisions and the best big decisions about their lives are meditators. Because they sit down and they listen to their gut. They listen to their misbehaving instinctual brain. And they don't judge it. They just kind of go, okay, wow, well, that's pretty dysfunctional. Let me just take a look at this. And by acknowledging that, only then can we change it. And that's what we've got to make sure that we do as well. That's such great advice. And it, it opens up space for us to be able to go with our values and our priorities. So yeah. thank you so much for everything you've shared with us, Graham. And I've had the chance to watch some of the awesome videos on your YouTube playlist. It's fantastic. Um, agents, Graham Newell is a professional speaker. And so he has some really lively content at conferences and events that you can look up and follow on his website, on YouTube. Definitely check that out. Graham, um, what's What's one of your favorite things about engaging with financial professionals in the conference or convention environment? You know, what I love so much about it is that I am working with some of the most incredibly powerful people in the world. You think about what your agents do every single day, helping people plan for retirement, build safety for their families, help them educate their children. I am working with an awesome bunch of people that can change the lives of everyone. And all we got to do is make a little bit 10% smarter decisions and the world gets changed. So you are incredibly powerful, everybody out there. And we've got to make sure that we've got our best brain going forward and that you're coaching your clients in such a way where they can make the best decisions of all. Absolutely. So Graham, how can our um, listeners reach out to you and find out more about your content? Well, probably the best thing to do is to go to my, my website. There you're going to find several hundred different videos that are about all the weird ways that we make financial choices and, and just decisions in, in our lives. That's at GrahamNewell.com. And my first name is spelled a little differently. So let me spell that for you. It's G-R-A-E-M-E. And then the last name is Newell, N-E-W-E-L-L. You can also look me up on YouTube. Um, just again, search for my name in, in the YouTube um, uh, menu and you should be able to get um, tons of content. I've, I've got upwards of like eight or nine hours of, of videos. So um, I'm a rather obsessive video creator. I love your video content, Graham. Thank you so much for taking time today to share your expertise with us and give us a little bit more of an idea of what's going on in that crazy brain of ours on a daily basis. And 
agents as business owners, people are counting on us to make great financial decisions. And the decisions that you make in your everyday life and in your business are going to impact more people around you than you can imagine. So I just want to encourage you to keep um, surrounding yourself with great peers who will be a great resource for you, giving yourself a little bit of time and space to make those decisions a little bit slower um, so that you can really think through it. And definitely look up Graham on LinkedIn, YouTube, his website, and um, continue to tap into those resources because I found that the videos I've watched are, they definitely warrant being watched more than once. We definitely are, we're trying to retrain and rewire our brains here. It's not an overnight thing, but it's definitely a worthy pursuit. So agents, thanks for tuning in. This is Caitlin Agar and Graham Newell signing off. Till next time. Bye-bye.